You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Some believe they've seen the Professor Moriarty behind 2017's Android malware outbreak. Erebus is back, and this time it's in Linux. Mirai may be about to become more resistant to cleaning. Crypto wars flare in the UK and EU as terror investigations proceed. A quick look at Cynet's Innovation Summit. Raytheon's DHS cyber contract survives a challenge. Crash Override looks to a lot of experts like a proven cyber weapon. And did the dog eat the fort's homework, or did some bear feed said homework to the dog? I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, June 20th, 2017. If you've been wondering about the recent increase of malware infestations in Google's Play Store, there may be a single hacker behind much of it. Bleeping Computer is tracking someone whose nom de hack is Maza In in various underground fora. He or she seems to be the one who both created and shared the code for Bankbot and Mazarbot, unusually evasive and irritating bits of malicious code that have been taken up and used by other hoods. Maza In appears to be engaged in a bit of dark web boasting, which suggests that he or she is off his or her OPSEC game. Trend Micro says Erebus has resurfaced in the form of Linux ransomware. The initial infestation is in South Korea. Erebus had been known for two things, going after Windows systems and not restoring files upon payment of ransom. The first feature has changed as Linux systems are now in the crosshairs. The second? Probably not. Back up your files. Mirai is back in the news, in a way. Security firm Pentest Partners has found a vulnerability in widely used DVRs that could be exploited to permit a Mirai infection to survive a reboot. In industry news, with contract award protests over, Raytheon will keep its billion-dollar contract to provide cybersecurity services and solutions to the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. The company sees the win as helping it not just domestically, but internationally as well. We're at Cynet's Innovation Summit in New York today. We'll have a full report of the proceedings tomorrow, but we will say for now that there's much attention being given to emerging standards of care, particularly with respect to the Internet of Things and GDPR implementation. French police begin rolling up the networks of a jihadist killer in Paris. 
In the UK, no such network has so far been discerned in the case of the killer who attacked Muslims leaving their Ramadan place of worship. Such attacks have sharpened the crypto wars in the UK, with Her Majesty's government calling for severe restrictions on the wide availability of end-to-end encryption. The EU is not following suit. A recent ruling from Brussels puts Europe firmly on the other side of the crypto wars, so Prime Minister May, in this respect, is increasingly playing a lone hand. Last week on our podcast, we spoke with Robert M. Lee from Dragos about the crash override malware and its potential to take down electrical grid systems. In the time since then, we spoke with John Brick from the Downstream Natural Gas Information Sharing and Analysis Center, that's the DNG ISAC. He's been pleased with the way the ISACs have been functioning in an event like this, getting information to their members quickly. He also shared an interesting analogy in regards to attribution. If you have a cabin in the woods and a forest fire is sweeping towards it, you really don't care who started the forest fire. You care about protecting your property, putting water on it or calling the fire department, etc. Um, who started it? is a question for the government agency, for the local fire department, for the FBI. And it's the same thing with malware. It's not really useful for us to know who did it at the operational level. It's, it's very interesting for me at the threat analyst level, but we can't take action upon that because we're not law enforcement, we're not uh, diplomatic, uh, able to issue a diplomatic demarche. You know, we can't do those kind of things. Now, having said that, if we work backwards and we look at the uh, the forest fire example, we might not know or care who started it, but if we look around our cabin, we can see that there is dry brush. We can see that perhaps we have a neighbor who's storing fuel outside or who's doing open welding. Now, these are the kind of things that contribute to our problem we might not be attributing the actual attack or problem to these people, but they're contributors. It's very important in the cyber world for everybody to take the kind of corrective or preventive measures that are available, whether those are patches, whether those are following advisories from the uh, Industrial Control System CERT, ICS CERT. Uh, If everybody plays the game, everybody's safer. It's that guy who ignores the problem or remains unpatched or doesn't take any effort, and then that allows everybody else to fall victim to these kind of things when they sweep through the networks. That's John Brick from the DNG ISAC. Experts think the crash override malware used against Ukraine last December represented the culmination of a long and patient campaign prepared by infestations of Havex and Black Energy. Wired puts it directly. Ukraine, quote, became Russia's test lab for cyber war, end quote. Observers think Russia now has a proven cyber weapon ready for use. Crash override is disturbing, apparently purpose-built from scratch and used in deliberate, highly targeted campaigns. There are indications that U.S. policy, at least, is more firmly titling to the Ukrainian side in that country's long-running hybrid war with Russia, Reports that say President Trump will meet Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko before he meets Russia's President Putin are causing a sensation in Kiev, where it's being perceived as a strong signal of diplomatic support, at least. The European Union has decided to adopt a united front with respect to answering cyber attacks with sanctions. The EU thus joins NATO in adopting a collective posture with respect to cyber warfare.
Results of a U.S. Defense Department Inspector General look at NSA's Insider Threat Program suggest the agency has a lot of work ahead of it. The results of the 2016 inspection, conducted at congressional request, are at best mixed, and in this context, mixed isn't good. The IG looked at seven of the most important measures NSA undertook in the wake of the Edward Snowden leak incident, and the IG found that the agency was falling far short of where it should be in managing personnel with privileged access to its data and systems. In many cases, NSA was unable to say who had such access. Records were kept in a manual spreadsheet, but that spreadsheet could no longer be found. As Motherboard unsympathetically puts it, either the dog ate their homework or someone fed that homework to the dog. The second possibility is more disturbing. We can think of a couple of bears who might be interested in dishing up that kind of puppy chow. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, welcome back. A story came by from the Chicago Tribune about uh, the Illinois Senate approving a right-to-know online privacy bill. What's going on here? So we saw at the federal level a major rollback of Internet privacy rights. Uh, Of course, Congress uh, passed and the president signed a bill that repealed an FCC regulation that prohibited internet service providers from sharing uh, subscriber information. That has left the states to sort of fill this void and protect internet privacy, and the first major effort we've seen is taking place in the state of Illinois. As you mentioned, their state Senate passed a bill uh, this past week called the Right to Know Act, and this measure would require online companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon to disclose to their uh, consumers the exact data that has been collected and shared with third parties. 
And this sounds like a very promising idea for privacy advocates, but uh, there has been a significant pushback from the industry uh, and from some of the trade groups, internet trade groups, and also uh, the Illinois Chamber of Commerce saying that this bill is really a bonanza for trial lawyers couched in a, in a privacy bill. I was listening to a, a radio segment in Illinois with the head of the Chicago Chamber of Commerce, and he was saying that this bill was largely pushed by uh, one trial attorney firm in the state of Illinois. And at least his allegation is that those trial attorneys want to be able to sue the Googles and Facebooks of the world if they don't uh, reveal the information that they've collected. So it's not necessarily that we would be stopping Google and Facebook from collecting that information. We would just be holding them liable for a lawsuit in the state of Illinois if they didn't properly disclose that information. And what he argued is that it would actually have a reverse effect against uh, data privacy because Google and Facebook would be so conscious about maintaining data, about complying with this new law, that they would actually collect more data to, to ensure that they were in compliance, whereas you know, previously they wouldn't be as concerned with exactly what they were collecting. So I think this is a noble effort uh, at digital privacy, but I think it's, it's an incomplete effort at this point. The bill is now headed for the state house, uh, where I think lobbying pressure will, will certainly increase. So far, it's been opposed in the state Senate by Republican legislators. And the reason that that's significant is that Illinois has a Republican governor. So this bill is subject to a potential veto uh, if it comes to that. So just to be clear, this is not a direct replacement for the rollbacks uh, that just happened with the FCC. No. So the bill that Congress passed uh, and the, the president signed rolled back an FCC regulation that applied to Internet service providers like Comcast, AT&T, and Verizon. That rule would have prohibited those service providers from sharing private information with third-party vendors. This bill uh, in the Illinois legislature applies to uh, sites like Amazon, Google, and Facebook. So not the providers themselves, but the providers of content. So the bill is slightly different in its scope. It's not sort of a one intended to be a one-to-one replacement of the overturned federal regulations. It is more intended to be a concurrent effort to show that there is still some momentum for digital privacy. And I think it's also uh, a recognition that with a Congress and a president that's been hesitant to some of these uh, digital privacy measures, that the action for advocates is going to have to be at the state level. But this could be a potential nightmare for these global providers, right? If they have to, if they have to deal with state by state regulations. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons they're apoplectic about it. The one thing that uh, providers want is regulatory certainty. They do not want to be in a situation where they are going to have to defend against a million lawsuits from Illinois plaintiffs uh, in Illinois courts. And they don't want to have to tailor their policies just to avoid uh, lawsuits from one particular state. And that's the argument that a lot of the bill's opponents were making uh, in the Illinois state legislature is that it would be an enormous burden on e-commerce and it would be just an inordinate burden on on these uh, providers because um, they would be subject to a whole slew of lawsuits and would be pretty sour about uh, doing any business in the state of Illinois. All right. Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire. 